Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading and streaming and listening wherever you do it, however you do it. It is greatly appreciated. Good to be here with you for another episode this week. Hope everybody enjoyed KK Downing last week. Of course, a founding member of Judas Priest, who we have found out now that uh, Judas Priest not on the ballot for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. For you guys that uh, follow along and care about such things, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced their nominees earlier this week, and it's very important to let you guys know because I, I there's always seems to be so much confusion about this. When the nominees come out, sometimes people assume that actually means that, that those people are going into the Hall of Fame. That is not the case. It's very confusing to people that don't follow along, but these are nominees, the names that have come out. They are not the uh, artists being inducted. What happens now is that those lists of that list of names goes to the voters, which I am one of, and we get to work from that list. What will happen is I get a uh, a ballot in the mail. So do the other voters. There's about a thousand of us total from the music industry and what have you. And we get to pick from those names. And I think it's five that we get to pick. And we send in our five picks that we'd like to see inducted into the Hall of Fame based off of the list of nominees. That list of nominees this year, it does not have a lot for the hard rock fan at all. It's very disappointing, I think, with the exception of the inclusion of Def Leppard, who have come up on a ballot for the first time in 13 years, and I think will get in. But in case you haven't heard, it includes that list includes Radiohead, Def Leppard, Stevie Nicks, Rage Against the Machine, The Cure, Devo, Janet Jackson, Kraftwerk, LL Cool J, Roxy Music, Todd Rundgren, John Prine, MC5, Shaka Khan, and The Zombies. Of that list, we get to pick, I think it's five, all the voters, and then from that, 
those uh, those those ta- tallies are put in, and uh, the top five or six vote getters are the ones who are actually inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, Judas Priest were on the ballot for the first time last year. Shockingly, or maybe not so, Judas Priest not even on the ballot this year. And a lot of people wonder what that's about, and a lot of Priest fans very upset about it, and I understand it. I would be too, and I am. I voted for Priest last year. But here's what's going on. We all know the Hall of Fame doesn't give a flying you-know-what about metal. They do it reluctantly when they have to put that genre in. And the truth of the matter is that in fan voting, which does not mean anything really in terms of the artist getting into the Hall of Fame, it does have some influence for the committee and the nominees to see that there is a big base for that band. Judas Priest finished fifth in fan voting last year. That's not good. Their fan base clearly did not get that much engaged in this. The other thing is when Judas Priest was on the ballot last year and it went out to the voters, I voted for them, but I can tell you for a fact they did not rank highly in voting amongst the voting members. See, once a band is on the ballot and goes out to the voters, they can then the Hall of Fame then sees information as to among their 1000 voters how many people feel strongly about that band going into the Hall of Fame. And you have to take that into consideration too. If you're a band and you missed the Hall of Fame by like 20, 30 votes, that's one thing. If you're a band and you missed the Hall of Fame by a wide margin because only a very small percentage of the voting panel voted for you, well, then the nominating committee says, well, there's not a lot of love for this band and they don't even put them on the ballot again. Now, let's be honest, there's also a lot of bands there might not be a lot of love for, but they're going to keep cramming down your throat because it's what they want to see go in. Kraftwerk has been on this list a few times. Janet Jackson has as well. The whole thing is a mess. It really is. And it there's really, it's ironic this thing is called the Rock Hall of Fame, and there's very little rock that really gets proper representation. Don't get me wrong. There's a million bands in there deserving, and most of the bands on this ballot are as well. But the clear bias against hard rock music is so unbelievably obvious and has been for so long, including how long bands were snubbed before they finally did go in. Bands like Rush and Kiss and Alice Cooper and Deep Purple and Black Sabbath, I mean, snubbed for years before they finally went in. So that's all you need to know. But it's very telling Judas Priest not even in consideration for this year. That just flat out sucks and is ridiculous. Maiden never included or considered yet and countless other great rock bands that continue to be snubbed by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'll be voting. If you listen to my daily show on Sirius XM volume, I actually do and let the audience take one of my votes and we'll do that again once the ballots come out. And that is a very, very major thing, by the way, folks, because one of my votes means as much as the entire fan vote. So when we do that show on my SiriusXM program, get involved in it because it's, you know, let your voice be heard there because that is as much impactful as an entire fan vote. 
And, uh, you know, I've got some thoughts here. Obviously, I'm voting for Leopard. Obviously, I'm voting for Rage, who, you know, even though it's still kind of early, I mean, this is, they've been on eligible two years. They've been on the ballot two years. I was shocked they didn't get in last year. Full disclosure, Tom Morello is a good friend of mine, as many know. In further full disclosure, Tom Morello is on the nominating committee. So I don't know how that works when he's in the room. If he, I don't think he lobbies for his own band, but I have no idea. But look, whatever you think about Rage, they were a very influential, very impactful band, so they are totally deserving. And, you know, MC5, the other real rock representation, it's honestly not a band a lot of people know, but it's a, a band that, uh, you know, had an influence for sure and has their fan base. So th- those are the only three pure hard rock or rock-based, you know, things on there. The Zombies I voted for last year. Todd Rundgren is deserving for all of his work. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just gave you my five right there. I'll think more about it. We'll get into it when we get on the air. And uh, I actually get the ballot, which will be coming soon. So that was the big news from this past week. Last weekend, I had a tremendously crazy weekend. Hosted Sebastian Bach at the IDL Ballroom in Tulsa. Baz sounded great. Had a great time there. Saturday, I flew to Huntington Beach, California. Hosted Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party in Huntington Beach. Had a crazy experience getting there. Had a private plane that was supposed to take me there cancel on me which just was beyond nuts. If you listen to my volume show, I went through my whole crazy experience trying to get there, and I did get there. Uh, Regardless of my craziness trying to get to the event, the event itself was really good. Sold out at 14,000 on the beach. Sammy Hagar, a true freak of nature in the greatest of ways, soon to be 71, singing Van Halen, singing Montrose, singing Led Zeppelin, singing his solo stuff. Satriani went out and did some chicken foot. Uh, Vince Neil was there. They played some Motley. Ario Speedwagon was on the bill. Just a great time, a great new festival, very well run. And I think, uh, well, I I know that you're going to see Sammy's event happen again next year and likely expand out to two days. Great launch for Sammy. Got to intro him in front of 14,000 people. Uh, Just great. And I saw Sammy Hagar. I saw Michael Anthony. I talked to Vince Neal. I talked to everyone backstage. And just, you know, Vince and uh, Sammy and Michael, two of my favorite people on the planet, two of the best people. And Vince, you know, always been super cool with Vince as well. Kevin Cronin, great dude. Had a great time talking to him. And uh, just just great people, a lot of fun, really was, really, really well run, an amazing setting, amazing weather right on the beach there. They set up the stage, incredible. So congrats to Sammy on a great launch. It's inspirational what this man is doing at 71. He's still great on stage. He's still in great shape. Vocally, he still nails it. Uh, just just uh, his work ethic, his philanthropy, what this guy's doing with his business and music and at 71 with all the money in the world, he could do nothing if he wanted to. It's just really, really incredible. Just an incredible guy. So that was my weekend this weekend coming up. I'm back in Tulsa on Friday to host Tom Kiefer at the IDL ballroom. Looking forward to that and hope to see you there. If you are attending 
We have a great time at those shows at the IDL. October 19th, I'm in El Dorado, Arkansas with Sammy Hagar again, as well as Brett Michaels and Lita Ford. Don't forget the Big D.O. Bowling event is October 25th. There may be a rainbow broadcast the day before. Just saying, just saying, keep an eye open for another Trunk Nation L.A. invasion. We got a lot of stuff going on in October and November. Follow on Twitter at Eddie Trunk for info and updates. Now, speaking of the L.A. invasion, the last one I did from the patio of the Rainbow Bar and Grill, the second one, for those that don't know, I'm doing this series called the Trunk Nation L.A. Invasion, where I go to L.A. once a month, take over the Rainbow, the legendary landmark, and broadcast from the patio of the Rainbow Bar and Grill. We have a great setup. The first one, we had Slash and Tom Morello. The second one, Steve Vai and Sebastian Bach were the featured guests. Other artists dropped by as well. This happened a few weeks back. I'm bringing it to you now, courtesy of SiriusXM and my show on volume, which is called Trunk Nation and heard live every day on Channel 106, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and is available on demand on the SiriusXM app. Here on the podcast, you get a little taste of what I do on a daily basis on the show on volume. And this was the last L.A. Invasion. Now, I had Katie edit this up as as best as she could because it was a bit of a free-for-all. Steve Vai showed up first. Sebastian showed up a little bit late. They did a couple things together. And then throughout the course of the night, some other people jumped on the mic. I don't know what Katie left in and left out. She had to work hard on this one, and I appreciate that because it was just a bit chaotic being a live broadcast with a live audience. But the featured guests who you will hear from, Steve Vai, Sebastian Bach, and then the two of them together... And at the time I'm recording this open, I don't know how Katie, you know, what she did and didn't leave in, but that's the crux of what's coming up. Predominantly Vi and Bach on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast, live from the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Los Angeles from about two and a half, three weeks ago. And like I said, the next one is going to be coming up very soon as this is a new monthly feature that I'm doing in Southern California for my Sirius XM show. Remember, I uh, also have a terrestrial radio show on like 30 radio stations across the country weekly on the FM side. Uh, there's a bunch, you know, six live radio shows on Sirius XM, the FM show, this podcast, and don't forget about Trunk Fest my series on Access TV covering music festivals. They are replaying season one every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Access TV. So get caught up on season one, shooting season two right now. Access TV, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, Trunk Fest. Make sure you check them out. Much appreciated. We'll take a little break. We'll come back. We'll take you to the rainbow in L.A. with Steve Vai and Sebastian Bach on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you or a loved one get leg or foot cramps, you know how painful and disruptive they can be. Muscle cramps can jolt you out of a sound sleep or interrupt your daily life. I have had that happen, folks. Listen carefully, because I can recently tell you, or I can tell you, I should say recently, about a product I learned about called TheraWorks Relief. It's a non-greasy foam that's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start 
so you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief. It only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly and it works. People love the results. You've probably seen Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief, and many of my colleagues on the radio are also talking about TheraWorks. Now, the holiday season is around the corner, so you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps and muscle soreness, I'm sure. And I'll tell you, I can't think of a better gift than TheraWorks Relief. It is uh, something I've actually used, and I've not had the problem since. Make it your choice, too. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. You've seen him in the hit movie Night School with Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish. But you can hear Rob Riggle every week on the funniest sportscast around with co-host Sarah Tiana. The way it usually works is you do uh, the script as written, because Mm -hmm. that's what the studio paid for. Then you do another take, same thing, only with notes. Then on the third pass, they'll come back and say, okay, anybody got a thought? Yeah, can I try this? No. Can I try this? No. <laughs> Moving on. Check out Riggles Picks every Thursday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, if you guys like my show, you're going to love John Taffer, No Excuses on Podcast One. The best-selling author and entrepreneur behind Bar Rescue is not taking anyone's nonsense, and he's telling it like it is. And this week, he's joined by actress Jenny McCarthy. Check out John Taffer, No Excuses, every Tuesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We're back. Let's get to the rainbow in L.A. This is called the Trunk Nation L.A. Invasion. It's a monthly broadcast I do from for Sirius XM on my show on volume on Channel 106. Steve Vai, Sebastian Bach amongst the guests. And uh, let's take you there right now on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. And I've told this story before, but not on this show. But Steve was playing in my hometown in Jersey. Yep. And you, I, I uh, ran, I ran into you. You were. It was jogging. so weird. I was jogging outside of the gig, and I, I, all of a sudden, I saw you coming out <laughs> yeah, of the venue. Right. And I'm like, "What? What are you doing here?" Yeah, yeah. And it was your daughter had like a recital or something. Yeah, I yeah. was taking my daughter to uh, a, a thing that she was doing, uh, a dance thing or something. Yeah. And then uh, you, you were. It was the experience. No, that's when I saw it you was, for Experience Hendrix. Oh, that was the Experience Hendrix. Yes. Oh, okay, but the other show that I played that I dragged you on stage. Seven Dust was there. Seven Dust. And that's when you built the song. We built the song. And with Seven Dust, that's in the DVD. Uh, it's, it's the space between the notes. It's documented? That's... Oh, sure, yeah. What, was that shot? <laughs> yeah, it was your... I didn't get you, though, because oh. at, I'd only decided to do it at the end of the tour. Oh, okay. So I had to grab everybody's iPhone footage. So were you doing that every night, bringing people up to oh, kind I of build for, a song? I did that for 257 shows. Oh, uh, See, fantastic. I thought I was special, Steve. <laughs> you are special, Ed. <laughs> you, but, you built the work... Best song. Oh, now we get the truth. <laughs> did you ever? Did some of the people that that you brought up and have brought up on stage have they come up with some stuff that you've been like, wow? I mean, you've you, discovered people through it. Well, I, I didn't discover like great like you know talents on an instrument or anything, but some people were inspired because it, it, you can take anybody, and we did this all around the world. I mean, we we were in in Russia and every place, and you just bring somebody on the stage and you tell them to sing a drum beat. How hard is that? Even if they say, I don't know what you mean. It's, it's a beat. Yeah. You know? 
And then they sing a bass part and then a melody, uh-huh. and we jam. And that was a, you know, it works all the time. But some of the best ones were when I like, get like these little kids, like five years old, six right. years old. They're just the best. Yeah, well, really there's, there's so much to talk to you about in the time that we have here. And what I, what I want to start with, though, because we are doing this with a live audience here at the Rainbow, you are, you are not. <laughs> they're fired up. They're ready to go. They're attacking us. Ed. We're in prime time. We're in happy hour time, 6 p.m. Pacific, right? <laughs> but you are not, uh, you are not a, originally from California. You're originally from New York, New York of yeah. course. When did you first come here? 1980. And with, was it with Zappa? What yep. brought you here? Yep, it was Frank. I, just, I had just turned 20. I was working for him for a couple of years, transcribing, and I, I moved right around the corner. You could almost see my house from here. I was really? right on Fairfax. What were your impressions of it at that time? Were you, did you immediately fall in love with Southern California? You were like, I got to move there? Or was it the work that brought you here? Well, it was the, I wanted to move here since as long as I can remember. Till I, when, when I was a little boy, I had this, uh, this pet monkey. Actually, it was a stuffed monkey. Oh, okay. And I used to, I used to kind of like, you know, tear it apart. And one day, my mother threw it away. And I asked her where it went. And she said, Stephen, your monkey went to California. So you so, came to find so your I monkey. I came to find my monkey. Did you find it? There they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're all here at the Rainbow. <laughs> and so what was your first experience here at the Rainbow? Did you have some nights here at the, the oh, young yeah, Steve High? I lived right around the corner in the 80s. This whole strip was like an open circus, man. I mean, it would take you about, about no, no kidding, 30 minutes to move 20 feet. Right. And people car. putting the flyers and all that on oh, the street? Oh, just everybody with it, it dressed to the nines. It was the 80s, you know, so it was, it was just a fabulous time to be here. And it, it, this is a, you know, it's a notorious place, too. You know, it's fantastic. And you know what's interesting about the Rainbow? What? The food is really good. It is? Yeah. <laughs> but I love this place. I used to come here. Just all the time. And, of course, Lemmy was uh, a f- the fixture here. We're Lemmy on, was here we're, every night. We're in what's called Lemmy's Lounge. It's been rebranded right. that since uh, since Lemmy passed. But yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. Did You, you played on a Motorhead record, did well, you not? Well, it's funny. Lemmy was standing right where we're sitting right now. Yeah. And I, I walked up, and I went up to him, and I said, you know, we just started talking. And I said, well, how come you never asked me to play on any of your records? And he said, I'll be at your house Friday at 1 o'clock. Yeah. And he came and he brought the tapes and we spent like f- 10 hours together just hanging out. And I, I, the solo didn't take long, but he was just so interesting. He was just the best. Yeah. Did you, were you ever a guy, like I, I've known you for a long time, but I don't know you from back, back then. Yeah. Were you a partier? Did you make the scene? Were you into that world or never, you never really went down those roads? Not, I mean, I was more of a witness to the extremity, <laughs> extremes of it, like extremes that you, you can't even believe, but uh, more of a colorful fly on the wall, as I'd say, you know. But uh, no, I, I I liked to party yeah. back then. I was, a, but I never I never like went over. You over were never the, the guy that they found out back in the parking lot, passed out by his car. No, that's like when that. I was a teenager in a rock band. That's when <laughs> they used to find me passed out in the back. Well, there's a lot to talk to you about, and and there's a lot of, of course, history we can talk about. But I want to before we go back, I want to talk about now mm-hmm. because you reached the reason why you're here was you reached out to me about a, a very cool event and special benefit that you're doing, yeah, yeah. and you wanted to come on and promote it. And I said, hey, Steve, I'm going to be doing this thing in L.A., and I said, why don't you come on, and you're, you're nice enough to be here. So let's take care of that, because this is a very cool thing you're doing. Talk about thank it, if you, you thank you. Well, you know, it, it, it centers around this concept that I had for, like, 25 years, and the idea was to create a nonstop jam session where anybody, people can come up, 
and play, and the music doesn't stop for 52 hours. So I was waiting for the right time, and it took, like, you remember Ruta, right? Ruta's Petties? No. Oh, she was my, manage- my manager uh, a while ago. Okay. For like 20 years, fantastic. And uh, she helped me put, it, put the, uh, the structure of it together. But I just held on to it, and uh, uh, I'm on the board of this uh, foster care home called Extraordinary Families. They're out of L.A. They're f- you, you know, yeah? Fantastic organization. I mean, you know, every year there's like 20,000 kids in the foster care system, and they're looking for homes, and they need mentors. So I, I like to be involved in something hands-on, you know. Uh, and uh, I became a part of this organization, and it was a good opportunity to do the, to do the Jamathon as a fundraiser. So the name of it is the Big Mama Jama Jamathon, and it's taking place September 28th. We kick off at noon. Okay. And it goes for 52 hours to Sunday, the 30th, at 4. And it's at uh, Musicians Institute. They just built this really cool new venue. It's called the Live House. You'll, you'll see it eventually. It's so great. And it's, it's here. All, it's here. It's in- right, here, right by their school. Okay. Yeah, right there in Hollywood. And uh, so, and I just uh, we started putting it together and started reaching out to people, and I've got so many great guests coming down that are going to jam. You, Can you name some of them? Oh yeah, well, they... uh, John John Five said is coming down. Okay. I've, I've got Lee Rittenauer is doing a, wow. a set. Uh, so a very eclectic mix of players. Very eclectic mix. Uh, uh, Moby's coming down. Um, uh, this I, I can't think of the list right now, but. Uh, is it Alchemy. online? Yeah, it's all online. You go to jamathon.org. Okay. And we got like, like people, even like Al Demiola is going to do a set. Wow. Okay. So you're going to have some jazz stuff going on. and Oh, yeah. That's, that's not a lot of jazz because uh, it's a jamathon. So people may, may not know a lot of jazz standards. Right. You know, so right. we just get up there and we play. And, uh, and Derek Day is going to be there. Who's playing next door here at the Roxy? That's right. I understand yeah. in a second. So <laughs> yep. are, do you, now are you, you're not there. You're not pulling like a double all-nighter. You're not uh, there all, well. all the whole time, are you? I'm a little too old for that. I was going to say, so but how I'll much time there. are you going to be able to log I'm gonna, in I'm gonna. I'm going to probably cut out four or five hours uh, to go take a nap. Right, right. But, uh, but I'll be there. All right. I'm so excited about it. And and there's if you go to jamathon.org, you can check it out and come on down. I've opened it up now for people to just bring their instruments for, for some interesting audience participation. Okay. You know? Well, you love that. Well, we just talked yeah. about people coming up That's, on stage. There you go. So. I'll be doing what I did with you <laughs> with some of these folks. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure yeah. they'll have and a ton really more talent. And it's really for a great cause. And the, the cool thing is the auction that we got going on. Some, I, I mean, everybody's been so generous. All my friends and... And uh, uh, we we have a pledge campaign, so we're gonna we're gonna do good. And this is all online; people can learn online, more about it. Jamathon.org. Jamathon.org. Now, the other thing that you have coming up, and I'm going to be hosting one of the shows you're doing in South Florida at the Hard Rock with this, but you're doing Generation X again, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, the same lineup as last time. Mm-hmm. So run that down for everybody who wasn't aware of it because it was killer last time. I went to it; it was amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's so much fun too. It was another concept where I thought, how cool would it be to have one backing band and five completely insane guitar players coming on and like doing, you know, getting together and playing together at times, and and but with with parts that are really organized, you know, so it's not just chaotic kind of playing. And I kind of put it into genres, you know, like metal, rock, blues, fusion. Right. And I wrote all my favorite guitar players down. And uh, in the metal category, I had Zach Wilde, Ingve Malmsteen, Nuno, and Tosin. And uh, I called them, and they right off the you know the bat they wanted to do it. 
and Ingve and. You know, for people who for people who didn't see this, uh, uh, I was blown away by it. I saw it in Vegas, and what I love so much about it is that it starts with Tosin Abasi who comes out, yeah. and then but well, we all come out at first. We all come out at yeah. first, and then it goes to Tosin solo moment, yeah. which then I think goes to Nuno. Well, then it's Tosin and Nuno do a song. But but that's the point is that they cr- everybody crosses over yeah. as a sort of a handoff. Yeah. So then Nuno and and Zach do a song. Oh man, they do they do sideways. It is. I just finished mixing it. It's unbelievable. Oh, you recorded? Oh well, we did the American tour and it went so well. We decided to do Asia. So oh. We, and I, I was able to record seven of the Asian tours. Video, and, audio, or both? No, we just did audio. Okay. And, uh, and it was really great. It was very successful. So I ended up, uh, now, I, when I leave this seat, I'm going back and mixing more. And I just finished Frankenstein the other day. We did uh, with four guitar players. For, it, for, for, the, for the Generation X? For the CD. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have a pledge campaign going for that, too. I'm selling myself. <laughs> so, so, so you're, you're going to eventually have an album out yeah. of Generation X of all these guys playing? Yes. Both live and some new studio stuff? No, we don't we didn't get that far. It was yet. all live all, all live. stuff that you did live. Because I think it was Nuno that told me on the last one that you was it his idea to do a Queen song that instrumentally the whole was it Bohemian or I, one of them there was some story about a Queen thing. Well, yeah. That that was the the idea was to do Bohemian Rhapsody for five guitars. And I I I, I did it. I mean, I created all the parts and got every one of Freddie's vocals and you got to hear it on guitars. It's it's unbelievable. But we just didn't have enough time in rehearsal. Right. And and Nuno was going to take the lead on that one because he, he's well, he's very good friends with Brian, and he's a huge Queen fan, as we all are. Yeah, yeah. But you, I mean, if we get time this time, we, we may try to work it up. But it's it's hard. I mean, you, you know, you know those vocals in that song. Unbelievable to play them on the guitar in perfect, you know, harmony. Yeah. The, you got to breathe together. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, but maybe we'll get it one day. Did you did you have any thought at any point to do Generation X this next run and change the people, or do you feel it's better to, to establish a core since everybody works so well? Well, that's the first a, time? that's a good question because there was situations. The hardest thing about Generation X is trying to get everybody's schedule together. Right, it's like Zach, Zach never stops touring. Right. It seems you know, and Ingve's, Three bands, yeah. Ingve's out all the time, and uh, and I thought you know about swapping it up but I just love being with these guys so much and the chemistry and the, the show itself and the balance of the, the way the show flows right it's so diverse and it's but it's still within the, that you know heavy genre I don't want to change it so I've just decided uh, if, if we can do it we can do it now if it does change it would be completely different right you know like it might be a Generation X blues tour got it where it's all blues players or you know, something like One that. One of the things I love so much about it is not only the virtuosity of all the players, but it's entertaining. Like, mm. I'm not a guitar player. I can't play anything, but I still, it kept my attention. It was, it, everybody brings something different to the table. The crossover with everybody, it's not, it, it really keeps your attention. It sometimes, a, a good, and, and you do this so brilliantly with your own show, of course, as well, because you're such a great performer, but... There's something there for everybody. It's not if you're not a guitar player, you can still really get something from it and still be entertained. Well, yeah, and that's why uh, you know the sets are relatively short, you know, and there's always movement. Like you were saying, it went from uh, from Tosin 
Titosin and Nuno and then Nuno and then Nuno and Zach. Right. And, you know, so everybody does like a set. And then Ingve and I do a really beautiful song, Black Star, together. And then we come out with four guys and, and we do a song. And then we all five come out. We start with all five, and then so it's constantly changing. You know what I mean? We did we did Highway Star, five guitars, and all the parts are like you know organized. I, I listened to it the other day. It's, you're gonna die when you. <laughs> I can't wait to I can't wait to hear this. Of the guitar players you have on it, was there one guy? Like, of course you knew them all, mm-hmm. and you knew all their playing, and that's why you picked them because you, you you appreciate all of them. But was there somebody that through the course of the tour as a player? surprised you maybe did something or had a side to them you were unaware of or or just you know that that you were wow i didn't know he could do that too sort of thing all of them in some respect both personality wise right and also performance wise they yeah. all just they stunned me you know tosin is just his whole mental approach to music and his chops uh are just uh unique and nuno really really surprised me he's just so um, his personality on stage is so engaging, and he's such a great singer. And his guitar playing is like rapid fire machine gun, yeah. you know. And he's very, very professional, you know what I mean? Like, and Zach is just so um, so funny. I, I just like I just like I like looking at him, watching him walk around because everything he does, <laughs> the chain, is just like the beard, the vest, it's so great. Father Vi, Father Vi, <laughs> Father Steve, Father Steve, you know, and uh, and and his playing when he gets into that zone, I've never seen anybody get so, you know, myopic about something. He just just goes and goes and goes, and it's it's beautiful. And yeah. Ingve is Ingve, man. He's as as intense as it gets. How I mean, wa- how was he on the road? Like you know, everybody's heard the notorious stories about Ingve, but he was well no, behaved with uh, you. He was he was he was great. Listen, you got to know <laughs> Ingve. You got to know. I mean, he's re- he's very professional. Actually, oh, he's been great with me. I've known him forever. He's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a problem with him. But you, but you can't this. mess around with like you right. know, say you know, this, he, this is what he needs. And this is, and when you supply that, everything is good, and that, and he's great. I'll tell I'll tell everybody a quick Ingve story. When we were doing that metal show, you know, we had a guitar player later on in the shows that would sh- just play shred up in the audience yeah. and just do segments in a break. That idea came from Ingve yeah. because Ingve, when I booked him in the very first season, <laughs> he showed up. Yeah. He flew up from Florida in in the full regalia. Oh, he never is never without it with the guitar. And I go, Ingve, we don't have any ability to play on here. He goes, we've got to play. So we rounded up this little amp, right? <laughs> yeah. And he puts the amp, and the audio guy for the TV show puts the mic, you know, I don't know, positions it away from the amp at what he felt was the proper distance for TV miking. Yeah. So we take a, we take a break waiting to the segment, and the audio guy would keep coming out of the booth, and he kept <laughs> readjusting the mic. And he goes... Who the hell keeps moving this mic? And I just look at Ingve, and Ingve gives me the sign like <laughs> he's he's fiddling with the mic. So uh, the audio guy would put it one spot, and uh, when he wasn't looking, Ingve would get up and move it one spot closer. <laughs> that's, that's, it sounds like something. And, they were and, doing. The, and then finally they confronted each other, and the guy's like, "No, you don't understand. This is how it's mic for TV." And they and I thought he was going to have an Ingve meltdown. And he, t- which I was kind of hoping for for a second, actually. And you don't want to see an Ingve <laughs> meltdown, brother. And he takes this ink, but Ingve's credit, he takes a step back, takes a deep breath, and he looks at me. He goes, he looks at the guy. He goes, okay, it does what we need to do, right? Yeah. And I just looked at him. I go, 
someone's been working with you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> someone's been working with you. And he's going, it's all good. It's good. This is yeah. what we do. And I was like, wow, you know, the, he, he, like you said, a total pro, but he, yeah. he uh, learned. Well, I think a lot of that uh, per, uh, uh, perceived arrogance in the early days was a cultural thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Know? And, of course, the, you, and sh- you and Ingve shared the distinction of both having been in Alcatraz. You right. replaced him in Alcatraz. Yeah, no, not an easy task. <laughs> did, you, did you compare notes on that at all? Oh, we'd chuckle about it. Look, one of, the, one of the best things about the Generation X tour is the tour bus. Oh, hanging you guys out. are all on the same bus? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And hanging out till 4 or 5 in the morning just telling stories. I mean, and, and Ingve's got incredible stories about growing up in Sweden. And, sure. And just, and, and, or listening to music. We went through the 70s phase. We were listening to all this great 70s music. And, yeah. And uh, they're just, you know, I mean, it had its challenges in the beginning. Everybody had to kind of get their sea legs together with each other. But then once everybody saw the, you know, the, the big picture of what we were doing and it just we really bonded and it's great that's a reality show right there yeah, man on that bus you put a few gopros in the corner the only the problem is if everybody knew it was being recorded they wouldn't be saying the same things probably well you know there'd, there'd be some editing going on which would make it not as fun but that's well, you'd re- never get that past a few of the guys though <laughs> yeah i know i'm sure so so you know for speaking that you know when i talked to him for him his introduction to guitar and what made him pick up a guitar, he's told me many times, is when he was growing up, he saw Hendrix burning the guitar. Yeah. For you, where was it for you? Was it, what was the Steve Vai moment that you said, I got to learn how to play that thing? I walked past my sister's room when I was 12 and I heard, Led Zeppelin, Heartbreaker. And that guitar solo, that was it. It was over for me. What was the first guitar you got? Then what happens? Do you turn to your parents? How old were you? Uh, at that time, I, no, at that time I was about 10. But uh, I, didn't get, I didn't get my first guitar until I was 12. And I had a friend that had this a guitar in his room that his mother brought him from like Sears Roebuck or something. It was a Tesco Del Rey. Do you remember those? No. Not yet. They were really cool. They were kind of small guitars and they had whammy bars. And I kind of knew what a whammy bar was. And as soon as I, I saw that guitar at the whammy bar, I said, that's what I want. You know, and uh, I would go over his house to hang out with him just so I could look at his guitar on the wall. You know, and I said to him one day, "Can why don't you play that? You know, you've got this cool thing. You know." And he goes, "Oh, I don't want it. I'll sell it to you for five bucks." And I was like, "You got it." And that was it. You don't still have it, do you? No, no. Unfortunately, I kind of gave it to one of my students years later. And but uh, yeah, that was uh, that guitar. That you hear the story how. Oh, I used to sleep with my guitar. Yeah. No, I, I slept with my guitar for real every night. Yeah. Did how long did it take you to to get good at it? I mean, was it did it come quick to you, or did you were you a slow learner? That's taken me about forty five years. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still working on it. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think everybody here could agree. Steve Vai has mastered the instrument, don't you think? Uh, my you never gosh. feel that way when you're on the inside, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, I just, I thought I was the worst. I had no intentions or aspirations about being a successful. That, that whole thing just seemed completely off of my, out of my reach. But I, I, did, I do know one thing. I loved, loved, loved playing it. I, like, everything else went away. And I would just, because when you, when you can't do something and you practice it and all of a sudden you can do it, it's like Christmas every day, you know? Yeah. Or if, like, all of a sudden you're playing a little riff from, you know, one of your favorite bands, like a Led Zeppelin song. Right. And plus, I had, like, 
what I call the Vi advantage. I had Joe Satriani as a teacher when I was 12, you know. <laughs> How do you beat that? Was, we lived in the same town. And he was always great. You know, Joe was always is Joe, How much older is Joe than you? I think four years, four or five years. So if you were 12, he was giving lessons at like 18, 19? Six, 15, I think he was 15 or 16, 16 That's maybe. Satriani was giving lessons. He, could, he would give, was giving lessons when he came out of the shoot. I mean, <laughs> The guy, the guy is just you know brilliant from head to foot. You know, oh my gosh, and that that of course touched off a friendship and relationship that lasts to this day, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's amazing. That is yeah. absolutely amazing. All right, so so Jamathon is what Steve is here to talk about again. Go to Jamathon.org, and it's going to be fifty-two hours. Did you fifty-two say? hours? Come on down to yeah. Musicians Live House. Yes. Bring an instrument, and you'll see some great players. We got some really great players. And go to jamathon.org to check out the. Uh, and if I if I can make this one plug, oh, I'm not I'm not sending you away. I'm just going oh, to a break. Oh, I don't okay. want you to leave. Oh. We're not even close. I got much more to get into with oh, you. Okay, right I'm on. not sending you away. You just Ubered in traffic. I would never do that to you. <laughs> Twenty minutes, get Vi out of here. You stay the whole time if you want, man. <laughs> right. um, but I want. I was just. I just want you to get your plugs in for this because I know it's important to you. So we want to remind. Well, we set that. up this. We set up this one thing that's pretty pretty brilliant. The Red Cross uses it. It's called text to give. Okay. And it's very simple. You go to. You can just text the numbers. Uh oh, <laughs> I gotta check. I'll, I'll, I'll find the number. We'll I'll go to break. You go to we'll a come break. Back, we'll give you the numbers. And here's what. I, here's a story I want Steve to tell. Here's a nice setup. All right. When we come back from the break, for people who have not heard this before, Steve has played with so many amazing bands. His own stuff, the Zappa stuff. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But of course, everybody loves, and I think a lot of us wish and would love to see the David Lee Roth band one more time. <laughs> Well, Steve and, and Billy and Matt and Dave, uh -huh. a few years ago, or maybe even more recently, came this, this close, close. Yeah. like seconds away from doing a couple songs, a stone's throw That's from right. where we're sitting, and then it got stopped like yeah. right before the curtain dropped. And I'll have Steve tell that story uh, when we come back right after this. Back with more. With Steve Vai, Sebastian Bach, and a whole lot more from the Rainbow Bar and Grill in L.A. on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, Pluto TV, it's the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV, never ask for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Let's get you back to the rainbow and this week's podcast featuring Steve Vai and Sebastian Bach. This is a story that if you guys never heard it, you got to hear it. Of course, everybody knows that Steve... And I said... Um, I, what did I say before? Matt Bissonette by accident. Yeah, Greg Bissonette. Right. Matt's his brother who plays bass, of course. Yeah. Okay, so the David, the original David Lee Roth band. Mm-hmm. When was it? Two years ago, maybe? Yeah, it was about that. Well, you know what happens? Every year, like Billy and I and Greg and, and Matt, because Matt was in the band at one point, and, and Tug, Tuggle, our keyboard player, we get together and we have dinner. You know, just because we... we With you know, Roth or without Roth? Well, not, he's usually not there. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, uh, so we were talking, and, they were t- and, and it was mentioned, you know, that Edom and Smile was coming up on a 30th year anniversary. Right. And also, they would tell me about this Lucky Strike bowling alley that has, like, these fanfares going on on Wednesday nights. You know, there's, like, a, uh, there's a big extravaganza every Wednesday night. It's like a jam. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go down there and play. And they said, why don't... Why don't you come down and we'll do a couple of songs from the you know from the Eat 'Em and Smile record like uh, Yankee Rose and Shy Boy, <clears throat> and I thought, yeah, that'd be great. It'd be a kind of like thirtieth year nod. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know I'll reach out to Dave. Maybe he'd be interested. Who knows? And uh, I didn't think he'd be interested, you know. And he's like, sure, man, I'll be there. Wow, you know, right. so that's a surprise right there. Yeah, and that's, but we didn't tell anybody. Right, we didn't tell anybody Dave was going to be there. Right, we were going to use. Um, uh, Steel Panther singer Ralph, Ralph. Uh, whose name in the band is Michael Starr. Yeah, because and, of, and the, but yeah, Ralph. Yeah, yeah, because he's a great singer. I I maintain he should be the singer in Van Halen right yeah. now if they're <laughs> looking for someone. But <laughs> I know he's like, he's, he'd be great in the gig. But yeah, anyway, he's great. Uh, but there's only one Dave Roth. I tell you that. Yeah, for I know, sure. I know. And uh, so he was into it. And they announced that it was going to happen without, you know, they didn't say Dave was going to be there. Mentioned Ralph, and it uh, it just got very packed. So Dave comes over to my house, and we kind of like ran the stuff, and we, we, we pull up to the place, and there was a line like probably five feet thick that went all the way down uh, uh, Highland, Highland, but around Hollywood Boulevard. But let me stop you right there because you kind of blew past something that I think would be really interesting. You said before you did that, Dave David Lee Roth comes to your house, and you run through the stuff, right? Well, yeah. So what was? How long had it been since you sat with David Lee Roth and played Yankee Rose? Oh. But- <laughs> 30 years. What was that like? <laughs> I mean, was did it was he what like what did, did Well, Dave is, is 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 really entertaining. Right. You know, so just being around him is kind of a hoot, you know. Right. So we just, we didn't like re- re- rehearse the stuff. I just we just kind of listened to it and re- he got a refresher. Okay. We, we weren't planning our we didn't rehearse or anything. We were just going to go and play. Okay. So you, but know? but it was a real reconnect for you guys, I would think, right? Because Yeah, the, well, I've seen him through the through the years now and then, okay. you know, we we hook up now and then. But um, so we, we get up to the place and it's like slammed, right? And, and that's when people saw Dave was there. So we're in the back and they had stuffed, this place holds like 350 people. Right. And they stuffed 1,700 people. It's a bowling alley. It's a for people bowling alley. It's a, truly a bowling alley. Yeah. yeah. And the stage has a curtain, right? And I'm really excited now. I'm like, I love those songs. I loved playing that stuff, you yeah. know, like Yankee Rose and Shy Boy. Sure. So I'm getting, we're all getting excited. We're backstage. And, the, you know, the way this, it's laid out, they have a stage and they have a, a curtain, right? Yeah. So you go and you get ready and you're on the stage and then the curtain opens. And right, I, I've got my guitar on. I got Dave's in the back. The, the, the band is out there. And this, I got the sound. And I'm just about to hit. The plan was I was going to hit the first chord. And then the curtains were going to open up, right? Oh. And I'm got, my guitar is hot, you know? And, and I'm just about to hit the chord. And, and one of the guys from the venue comes up and he goes, Steve, don't play. 
And I'm like, what do you mean don't play? He goes, the, the fire marshal said that you, you, you have to get this place is too crowded. You've got to get uh, like 500 people out of here. And I'm like, how are you going to get fired? Get out of here. I'm playing. You know? two songs. Let's just two play songs. And here. I'm just about to hit. He goes, no, 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 no. Don't, don't play. I'm telling you, you'll get in trouble. We'll, we'll all get in trouble. You'll be fined. And I said, fine, I'll pay the fine. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah, I'll pay the fine. What, what could it be? What, what it, could it be worth to you know, not do this? Right. Everybody so would he goes, have kicked in a buck on the way out. Right, right. Up. So he said, uh, okay, wait a minute. And he goes and he comes back. And I'm, I'm like, just, part of me is saying, just hit the cord, Vi. Just hit it. What are you going to do? What are they going to do? Put you in jail? You know? The guy comes back and he says, if you play, he's gonna put, they're going to put you in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid me didn't play because that would have been cooler than anything. Yeah, <laughs> good publicity. So I was like st- struggling and I'm like, nope, you can't. They shut the place down. They actually had the fire marshal there. They had guys from, they had fire trucks out front. They had people coming in with like, you know, firemen with like axes and stuff. Oh I'm like, what gosh. is this, you know? And it's funny because I go back and I say, Dave, this, this gig isn't going to happen. It's, it, it's too crowded. They, they're shutting the place down and the fire marshal is here. And Dave and his, you know, his, his, his infinite press wisdom says, perfect. <laughs> he goes, perfect. Now it'll be on the... And sure enough, it was, it was everywhere. It was on the... Even the, the, uh, the television picked it up, you know, yeah. all the news stations, that there was, the gig was closed down because there was too many people and the fire marshal was there. And we came, we came this close to going to the Viper Room and just playing. And, but then we didn't want to interrupt who, you know, who was actually playing or just do that kind right. of thing. Which also holds 300 people and you would have yeah, had right? the same problem there. Well, nobody knew we were going to go there. But it, it was close, you know. It was close. Did did uh, so? Was there any dialogue coming off of that since you guys had reconnected and came so close to doing it to potentially do it somewhere in a proper form? Like, is there since then? Have you talked to Roth or? I mean, I've talked to Billy about it. I know he'd love to do it. I mean, has there been dialogue about maybe doing it at some point? Yeah. Well, you know that that kind of dialogue has come up through the years a little bit here and there, and it's it's not it's something that we we're not opposed to, but it's just a matter of. Like, everybody's schedules and everything coming together. Yeah. Like, when we did that, we, we talked a little bit about how nice it would be to do so, anything, maybe just, maybe redo this gig, you know, the one that, that we didn't do. Right. But then it turned into, like, a gig. Right. As opposed to just showing up. And then, so, it just kind of, you know, the train kind of pulled away a bit. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any, uh, I mean, I'm sure you got a million great memories and fond stories of your times playing in that band, but was there is there anything that, you know, you said Roth is such an entertainer, and I've heard so many great stories both you know, public and private about people yeah. who spend time with Dave. I've never met Dave. I, really? I, yeah. Believe it or not, I've never met him. I'd love to talk to him. But do you have? A, do, can you share anything with the audience? You got something that jumps out at you from your uh, years with Roth? Well, it just it was a stunner for me when I entered that band because I was this kid from Long Island, and when I was touring with Frank, things were a little crazy, you know. But nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. Nothing I've ever seen or have been a part of since has been like that. Were you, I imagine you were a Van Halen fan? Oh, yeah, big time. So to have the, had the singer in, in Van Halen call you... I, I know. I mean, I, Billy was, was the, the most... same way. Billy told me, and he said this on the air with me twice, so it's nothing that I'm saying you know, out of school, but Billy told me that twice in the history of Van Halen mm-hmm. that Eddie had reached out to him about potentially joining the band and replacing Michael. Well, you know, Dave reached out to me about joining Van Halen. Really? No. 
Nothing would surprise yeah, yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, uh, Steve I in the band Van Halen. Steve, okay. nothing would surprise yeah, me right, with the no. dynamic with those guys. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess not. But but they said, but Billy, it's crazy. Billy said to me that he was such a big Van Halen fan yeah. as they were. Yeah, that as cool as it would have been, and I believe he jammed with them. He could never envision himself actually replacing yeah. and breaking up the band that he, you know, was. Well, he did the next best thing. We got in a band together yeah. and played with Dave. So my point is is that for you you guys to be able to play uh, Van Halen, you, you played Van Halen songs live oh, with Roth. Yeah, yeah. The two, all of you must have been like, this is surreal. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of surreal. I mean, to be able to, you know, get up there and play Panama. It's the, Besides being such cool songs to play on the guitar, yeah. you know, because Edward is, you know, Edward, you know, and yeah. so brilliant. Yeah. Um, just the way the audience responded to it, and the way that the whole, rock, that whole rock and roll, the, the, the period, you know, the '80s, that whole period, right. the the breaking, you know, when MTV broke, and the crazy clothes we wore, and the, you know, you could do anything with the, 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 the lighting rig, was in the Guinness Book of World's Record. <laughs> it's true. It, the most cans, the most lighting cans of any stage show. That's the, and just touring like that. Was a, it was a stunner? I loved every minute of it. I'm so I'm so glad I had that opportunity, and to have Dave Roth, you know. I speak amazing. for all the rock fans out there. We'd love to see it one last time. <laughs> Eat 'em and smile reunion show. My gosh, that would be unbelievable. I, I need to also ask you about Zappa because I talked to Amit on the way here, who's not in town. Oh, really? Yeah, and he, you know, I had dinner with Amit a month or two ago out here, and he was. I mean, he said such wonderful things about you and how much you mean to their family, uh, even to this day. But he also said that, you know, you you kind of endorsed and will be a part of what they eventually do with this hologram. And I know that the piece has been made with him and Dweezil, which Mm -hmm. is a huge thing. Which is great to see. What can you tell us? That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, well, (laughs) he said that you know it's yeah it's good. He just said it's all good right now. So what, what can you say about how you feel about all this, having been so close to Frank, so close to the family, that this, you think he would have been down with doing a hologram, and are you excited to, to play a role in it in some way? Well, as far as what Frank's perspective of it would have been, no, nobody really knows, because Frank had this tendency to take any kind of technology and just exaggerate it. You know, he, he, would, he would tear it apart and then go to the people that built it and said, it doesn't do this, it needs to do this, 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 and this. So nobody really knows. But, um, and I, I have been fortunate that I, I, I've been, they're my, were my West Coast family the whole time I was, I, the time I moved out here and grew up. And I've always stayed, you know, uh, on good terms and friends with all of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that anything, I love playing Frank's music. You know, I did the uh, Zappa Play Zappa tour with, with Dweezil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the technology as it is, and when Ahmed approached me, I think that, uh, you know, if they, it has potential to be a really great kind of a show for the Zappa fans. Right. So, and he asked me if I wanted to be a part of it, and I've got so many commitments now that I was able to commit to, you know, some shows. I don't know when they are with it. I don't think, nothing has been announced yet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'd, I'd love to do, you know, a little handful of shows with that to play Frank's music and just be a part of that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, who knows what Frank would have done. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't, of course, I didn't know Frank at all, but I was curious about that. You know, whenever somebody passes away and they, this hologram thing is an interesting movement, there's, it's a very polarizing thing. There's it's very people- polarizing, and the technology is evolving, and there's various ways to do it. Yeah. Like, if you want to make a hologram, 
like a, a, most of the time, and I'm sorry to say, <laughs> when you watch a hologram, it's not really the person. It's an right. actor that they filmed right. with holographic technology right. that they CG, CGI the head on right. of the artist. But uh, I don't think that that's what uh, Ahmed is planning because, the, the, like I say, the technology is evolving and uh, it, it's going it, to. You, you can't do that with Frank because. If he's playing guitar, you're not going to get anybody to, to like look like they're playing his guitar, or something, right? You know, but who know? You know, who knows? Uh, by the time that uh, uh, he's working with a company that uh, is developing the technology, right? So who knows where it's going to? Right, illusion. Uh, and a, a good friend of mine, Jeff, is the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. So that they they they've got their heart in the right place. I know that they're they're big music fans, and they're doing it with the right intentions. That's for sure. How people will perceive how people perceive it, you is never really be interesting. You never know. I mean, there's some successful ones out there. A friend of mine does the Roy Orbison estate. He, mm-hmm. he works with the Roy Orbison estate, and they've been having a lot of success in Europe. They saw their tour sold out, and it was big venues. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic, and they got an orchestra. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, you know, you're not seeing the real person. Right. You know, and if you try to c- criticize it as if it is the real person, you're, you're just in a losing proposition. Right, right, right. But if you go because of the experience. And, and celebrate the music. And celebrate the music. And just, you, you have to be forgiving of the, you know, certain aspects of the reality of the situation and, and have a good time. And yeah. then it's fine. Um, one more thing with you, and then we're going to bring some other people on. And again, I'd love for you to stay. You, of course, for many years had your own record label, Favored Nations. Mm-hmm. Do you still have it? I have. Yep, I do. Okay, so you're a guy that's always keeping an eye out and has exposed some new talent and some new players. Yeah. We're in this world now where, because of the way music is distributed online, anybody can make an album, mm-hmm. anybody can make a video, anybody can put it out there. So it becomes very hard for people to sort of navigate and find the good guys and the guys that are special and stand out. I find that even for what I do, people look to me, hey, give me a band, give me something to check out. So do you have a couple guitar players right now that maybe people listening have not heard, aren't, aren't household names that you think are... are you know, of interest that people should check out. Are there some emerging guys out there that you oh, really yeah. like? There's, if you're not hearing a guitar solo on the radio, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, like with contemporary pop music, it doesn't mean that that whole genre is still not, you know, crazy fascinating to people. I mean, I see that the generations, I'm two generations almost removed from when I was 22, 23, uh, you know, even in the, the uh, uh, David Lee Roth days. And I see these players doing things now that are just stunning. Mm. So there's always this constant movement of people that are fascinated with raising the bar on the instrument. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Now, now there's one way, one way to raise it is by practicing your ass off. You know what I mean? And you look and see what people were doing before you and you take it from there. But a lot of times it doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't have any staying power because there's no real melody or harmony you know it's just kind of like finger exercises but there are guys that are doing incredible things Tosin is one of them yeah he plays like 15 strings or something yeah (laughs) (laughs) how many strings is on Tosin's guitar I know I don't know if he's going to be able to do the Gen Axtor because he might have a hernia (laughs) (laughs) string hernia but there's this guy Pliny have you heard of Pliny? Pliny, no. Pliny, P-L-I-N-I. A one, one name guy. One, yeah. Okay, where's he from? He's, I think he's here in L.A., I'm okay. not sure. Pliny. Pliny. Young guy? Yeah. Okay. Guy. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Really great player, but that, that's, for me, my taste, you know, the notes, the way that this, that's hitting the, the chords, you know. 
There's this Italian kid. His name is the Daniel Gattardo. He's just a freak. He's such a musical ear. See, that's what I look for because you can't really impress me with practicing and being fast because that's 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 fine. I mean, of course, I can be impressed by it. I don't. I can't play like these shredders today. But um, what really moves me is when I hear something that just. Uh, it's got something more than just academics in it. Yeah. When, and one of the things I love about... Oh, oh wait a minute. J- I just I, I played a track on J- uh, Jason Becker's new record. Oh, well, Jason is an amazing story. And oh I didn't know he's got God. a record coming. Yeah. He's an incredible phenomenon. The, 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 the way this guy has accomplished things in the face of unthinkable limitations. Incredible. Do you know? And what a guy. He's so funny. Yeah, for and people that don't, people that don't know his story in a nutshell, because we're coming up on a break, Jason, Jay, watch a documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, Steve, called "Not Dead Yet." Yeah, and oh, it's no, about I'm Jason. Because, oh, yeah, because Jason Becker, who actually played with Roth when he was mm-hmm. diagnosed with ALS, and they found out, and he was supposed to be gone a long time ago, yeah. and uh, he is still there, and it's an unbelievably inspirational story. Back with more. With Steve Vai, Sebastian Bach, and a whole lot more from the Rainbow Bar and Grill in L.A. on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, you guys. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer from muscle cramps in your legs and feet, I got relief for you. It's finally here. It's called TheraWorks Relief. It's a topical foam. It's clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start so you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without having to worry about muscle cramps. I used this stuff one time, true story, on a cramp that I had in my calf that woke me up in agony in the middle of the night. Knock on wood, it has not returned since. TheraWorks Relief, it only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it does work. I recommend TheraWorks Relief to my family, my friends, the results, they speak for themselves. It's a life-changing product, and you don't even need a prescription. TheraWorks Relief, it is the choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Try TheraWorks Relief today and experience relief from muscle cramps for yourself. Get TheraWorks Relief in the pain relief aisle at select CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreen pharmacies or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. That's TheraWorks Relief for your muscle cramps. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. For instance, a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car, well, that'll improve your gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Pretty weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they're buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, 
Check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get you back to the rainbow and this week's podcast featuring Steve Vai and Sebastian Bach. Sebastian Bach is in the oh, house. Oh, yeah! These people, man. Shout out these people. They're my people. These are my people. <laughs> this man loves his rock and roll as much as any of us, man. It's what I've I always do. loved about him. He lives it. He breathes it. Uh, he eats it. He does everything to it, man. I got to get a haircut, though, even though I just got one. Uh, you, you... In 1987. <laughs> You still got your hair. You're lucky, yeah, man. Speaking of 1987, I brought you a present. What do you got? Whoa. Oh. Look at that. Wait, now, wait a minute. Is this 87? No, that's 89. 89. But this is, uh, that's the first centerfold I ever had in Circus Magazine. Look you at guys, this young you guys, sexy man. You guys remember Circus Magazine? You remember that? No. Okay. And the crazy thing is, Sebastian still looks exactly the same. Look I, at don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> And uh, Steve, Vai- I attribute it all to clean living, right, Rainbow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anybody that's seen Sebastian, I mean, at the Steve Vai is right over here. For God's sakes, I saw you. I guys- just got eat him on eat him and smile on vinyl. Really? Yes. Nice, nice. I'm done, ladies and gentlemen. I don't even have. It is that. now Sebastian Box Radio Show. Go ahead, Baz. Just go. <laughs> I, I get very starstruck around this guy right here. You played with him. I saw you play with him on the cruise. Dude, I saw Steve, Steve Perry at um, at uh, Jerry Cantrell's birthday party. Yeah. I couldn't even speak. It's like, <laughs> it's like oh, there you are. Like, it's like. Yeah, it's weird. How is it playing Yankee Rose on the cruise with, uh, with Steve? Well, I watched the video of it, and it's very exciting. I wish we would have got it higher quality, but I, I love it. Is this a video that. of it? Yeah. I haven't seen it. It's on YouTube. It's pretty good. Oh, i got to check it out. Yeah, it, I saw us doing T- Tom Sawyer. Yeah, we that, did that, too. No, right? we did the David Lee Roth better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I love that album, Eat Em and Smile. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You guys like that album? Yeah. What, are, what are some of the... What, um, Side two, Tobacco uh, Road. No, no, the more obscure ones. Hey, man, that a roll, man, down. Oh, that's hey, bu- bumping trouble. grind. Big trouble. And then it's in it in his eyes. <laughs> I love that music. <laughs> Steve just said he's nailing it. No, no, no. You just said he's nailing it. He's nailing it. Yeah, he's nailing it. I got you. It's, it's nailing it. Well, if I'm jamming with Steve I, I better nail it. <laughs> Is, how long? Have you guys known each other for a while? or, or? Yeah, The did. first time I ever met Steve I was backstage on the... Um, on the was it David Lee Roth? Yes, but uh, but it it was the Eat 'Em and Smile tour. Yeah, I think it was in that, Phoenix, Arizona. It, 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 it was in Phoenix, Phoenix Arizona, or Concord, California. I think. No, the first time I met because I was with the band Madam X, and they brought me oh, backstage. Yeah. And I have a vivid memory of this because David Lee Roth had strippers in a baby 
pool filled up full of baby oil, a kiddie yeah. pool. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And it was all like so lit see, and stuff. It was all like he's, blue lights. He's got the Roth stories uh, that, that to please, I'll tell you that. I was like, there's a kiddie pool backstage with baby oil in it and chicks like, you know. And Faz is like, you were like, I Wait, can't we can't this. say that in, in yes, this You can era. say anything you we want. We can't yeah, mention Come on. It. No, that's another time. That's another time. <laughs> we're all going to get sued. Oh, my God. I'm going to lose my job as a rock star. <laughs> But, but this is only good press. <laughs> Steve, did you guys have the baby pool when you were in the band? The whole like that was said, at the time. You remember? Te- oh yeah, I can't even tell you all the things that we saw. <laughs> you did. You did one interview where, where I mean, I don't shock easy, but you did one interview where they said, "Hey, tell us about backstage." You said, "Well." First time I ever went back with Dave, there was a girl walking around on her hands with a bottle of wine shoved up her ass. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Let so, me, okay, I got to clarify that. Did I hear that. something like this? Right? No, it's, it's much better than that. What? Yeah. It's no. better than that. It was that. my fir- like, well, the first night. How do you night. even do that? Like, <laughs> first, yeah. no, she was walking on her hands. That's what I said. And she, and she was naked. And she had a tech, one of the notorious techs, walking alongside of her. And he had the bottle of wine. <laughs> And she had a tube coming out of her butt with a funnel on the end. Hey, this is crazy. Oh, my God. Okay. And then like this. Just, I get, it now was like a favorite past party, time. Right? You know, yeah. right, Rainbow? Yeah. Rainbow. yeah. And, and, in my, and that was the first night of the tour. That is and crazy. in talking to a lot of artists over my decades of doing this, I find out it's always the techs, isn't it? Yeah. The, oh. really, the really fucked up people yeah, are the techs. You know, the techs, right. I, I remember I had a, a bus driver on the Slave to the Grind tour. Um, who I had, and he was my guy. He was cool. And then I bought Marilyn Manson's book, and he was like the star of Marilyn Manson's book. <laughs> I go, this is the same guy, right? Go read the book. He was my driver before that. I've read Manson's book. you got to really be nuts if you upstaged Manson as this bus driver. I mean, that's unbelievable. Like, this guy went on to fame. <laughs> like, he's the star of the book. Okay. So, Baz, what do you got? You have been out on the road playing a lot lately. you got a whole nother run of dates coming up. You've been hitting it hard. Hard, huh? I'm about to do 50 cities in America, United States of America. Nice. And, um, you know, Bobby Jarzombek on drums, who's I've played with for over 10 years. Uh, and Brent Woods, our friend. I was at dinner with him last night. He told me that Bobby's one of the best drummers he's ever played with in his life. Yeah, Bobby is from the Halford Band, uh, Resurrection. I know everybody has a record called Resurrection, but Halford had the first one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, and then you got Rob DeLuke on bass, yes. killer band. You've had this band together for a while. I've had the band together for longer than Skid Row was together. Yeah. So it's like we're, we've, we're together. And I'm not surprising anybody with new members all the time. It's like everybody knows. Bobby has his own fans. Like my, my guys have their own fans. So it's, it's good. And the thing <laughs> I love about what you're doing, man, if you've seen Sebastian with this band, it's all raw, it's real, it's electric, it's, it's not any sort of, you see these bands running a hundred fake tracks and all this stuff. It is, it is as in your face and real as it should be. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but we don't even know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we have opening, That's a good thing. We have opening bands that come in and all their backgrounds are like Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Ridiculous. And I'm going, well, how do you guys do that? And they tell me, you know, they play to the same tempo. There's no spontaneity. You have to do the yeah. same thing same every night. Click, yeah. We stop the show every song, like, you know, if there's a fight or 
mean, it's a spontaneous thing. That's rock and roll. That's how uh, it should be. I, I did a, uh, a electronica song with this band, Dada Life, right? A computer. It was a big hit. It was called Born to Rage. I got a platinum record from it. it, was, it like EDM, it's called. Yeah. But then they wanted me to do it live. I go, sure, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. So they, it was the Electric Daisy Carnival in Vegas, like a half a million yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah, I went on it. I was the last guy on. It was like 5 a.m. The sun's coming up. But I come out, and there's all these people, and I'm playing to a laptop. Yeah. And I can't. I'm a way ahead. Of, I'm like, <laughs> it's like. Yeah. And I'm feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, but if I feel like that in rock and roll, my drummer can play like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that's. Yeah, the way it should be. Steve, if you, I mean, you, you don't have, you do all instrumental with your own thing, so you don't have to, you don't have to deal with guys like Sebastian. <laughs> but you probably use the tapes sometimes for like keyboard effects so, or something. Sometimes, yeah, because sometimes some of the arrangements are really big, right, you know. Yeah. But Jeremy, he he triggers certain points right. sometimes. But it's but, not like yeah, the whole night is like. Well, the last tour was because I had video that oh, was su- okay. sunk, okay. but it, it 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 is confining and it's 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 risky. You know, and there is a t- there's a tight feel to it, but you know, he knows how to. You know, Jeremy, he knows how to go. In Jeremy Coulson. <laughs> <laughs> but as a singer, you know, Baz. The reason why I bring that up is because Sebastian's voice is still unbelievable, and I have people that call my radio show with some of these new bands, and they're like, "I heard them; they sounded amazing." It's like anyone can sound amazing if everything is not re- it's on a track and you're not really hearing what you're hearing so I have mad respect for the people like yourself that absolutely are doing it all real well you know there's some older guys that are inspiration like Steven Tyler I mean come the on best. I-, I saw him on a morning show like uh, Hoda and Cotby recently yeah and he sang like so, yeah, you have a, so funny perfect thing, the funny like, thing when he's and he's when 70 he's, yeah wow when he starts singing he transforms into, like, a totally different person. And you know who else is ridiculous, who I just saw recently, is Glenn Hughes. Oh, oh yeah. Glenn Hughes His is high notes continues. beyond crazy. any comprehension what Glenn Hughes is able to do. And if you read his book, you're amazed he's even still alive, let alone able to sing. I like the story in his book where he was so high. He, he, was, dri- he was driving home one night. He could only make left turns. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I couldn't go right. I had to go left the whole night. And it took me so long to get home. That way, I was like, I got to go left. I got to go. That's about, really, that's like living in Washington. How about when he's dating Linda, how about when he's dating Linda Blair and he, he shit himself and he didn't know it? <laughs> well, that's not very attractive. <laughs> well, at least what a turn on, Glenn. <laughs> he's the best, man. He's unbelievable. Hey, Sebastian, so when was the first time you came here to the Rainbow? You remember? Oh my gosh! Okay, that was like 1987, I think. That's when I joined. Were you Skid Madam Row. X or when you no, just it was kids? Skid Row? Okay. And here's what I remember: I, back then, the streets were as packed. Yeah, I was, was saying that earlier. Venues. Yeah, you could take 20 you minutes to get 10 feet. Yeah, and and I was staying at the sun, the riot house. Now it's called the Andaws. Andaws. Or, yeah. what, what the hell is the Andaws? I don't know. Anyways, the riot house. To me, that's a more catchy name. <laughs> right. Um, so I was walking here from there, and I took with my tour manager Terry Sasser, just me and him. And like five feet, there was like two people behind me. Ten feet, there was like ten people behind me. Thirty feet up the block, there was like a hundred people. Oh, there's, there he is. That's him. And I'm going, what the hell? 
<laughs> and by the time we got here, it was like the Pied Piper. So that was before yeah. the first record didn't even come out. If it was no, it was around. It was right around like so around eighty nine. Yeah, yeah, it was eighty nine. No, I came here. No, I no, I came here before that. Before that, with Doc, uh, when when I first met Doc McGee, you came so here. So when I walked up from there, that was the second time I came here. What was <laughs> so? So I imagine first time I came here, nobody followed me. <laughs> <laughs> Just some tall guy walking a, in the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> so so you uh, did you ever hang with Lemmy here? I hang. I hung with Lemmy. It's in my book. Um, Lemmy, as you guys know, lived right across the street. Right in that mm-hmm. building, and uh, you know, I used to think I could uh, party with the big boys. Oof. When I found out that night, it, it's hard to party with Lemmy. Yeah, <laughs> my nose burnt really bad, and <laughs> I just kept. He had a book of lyrics in his in his uh, Nazi uh, memorabilia room because he did. He had all this. He had like Nazi memorabilia next to like Corning. Yeah, he's really into like, the Like, it's in the kitchen. Like, here's my <laughs> SS hat next to, like, my box of Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy told me a great story when uh, it's like it's all like- they were on tour, right? The, uh, they were doing a big festival tour. And everybody's trying to keep up with Lemmy, you know? Because, because he, he'll walk around, and for five days he stayed up and didn't, didn't move, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't affected at all. He's still carrying on conversations. And right. Everybody's trying to keep up with him, and then finally they're all falling, and Ozzy goes up to him and says, Fucking hell, man. <laughs> well, how, do you, how do you do it? Everybody's just passing out. You're, just, you're still just like, and he goes, After a while, you coast. <laughs> but that's the well. I hope. Let's hear for Lemmy Coasting yeah. wherever he is right now tonight. Raising a, a, a Jack right. and Coke to him right now. But but the the thing about Lem really drinking a Jack. Yeah, and Coke? somebody. It's a, it's a le- what, you're just jealous. You want one? No. Here's the deal, dude. Last time I was with you, you said, "Okay, we're gonna do the uh, bowling thing, right?" Which is coming up. You yeah. Gonna bowl and then again? You, you said, "Okay, it starts at eight. So I got there at eight. But it didn't start at eight. It started. It started at ten. Well, that was the party. So part. by the time ten rolled around, I'm fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody, like I blew is. the game. I would have come to win, dude. We're doing it again. Are you in this year? I'll, I'll come at the right time. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it all drunk. Tom Morello was trying to figure out why we lost. I said because That's we drank why. too much. I was like, no, he I hit- thought this thing started at eight o'clock. <laughs> It's like 10 o'clock. Uh, we're doing it again October 25th, so for the Dio Cancer Fund. every And remember, Ronnie, let's raise one to Ronnie as well. And fuck cancer. Yeah. Fuck cancer. I want to say that as a salute to Mr. Nick John from the Rick Sales yes. organization who just died this week, and we're going to his service on Sunday. And he was a great manager. Great guy. Mastodon and uh, Gojira. Bullet for my Valentine. And Gojira. So he was a buddy of ours, and yep. fuck cancer. Yep. Nick was I, Nick was a huge listener of this show and a great, great guy, and uh, he will be missed. I was stunned when I heard he passed away. Um, but the bowling thing's coming up again, so we're doing that again at the end of next month. And tell me before we run out of time, what are you beyond the dates coming up? Are you working on new music? What are you doing? Yes, I have a new record deal that I'm about to be announcing and i've got a new album that i'm working on with john five it'll be our third album in a row and steve stevens has a great song on it and you know there was a a guy named steve (laughs) why 
Wait he said he had some riffs on his laptop lying around. Come on over. I'll play them for you. Oh, did you hear that? Come on. I'm holding you to it. Okay. I'm holding you to it. Hey, you know what? We have to, I have to tell you this about Steve. All right. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think you know what I'm going to say. Listen These aren't to more stories about the David Lee Roth days. Are no, more strippers no. and tubs. Just even before that. Oh, okay. Going way back, you told me this. Steve told me. Steve knows that we're all big Kiss fans. Right. You guys like Kiss? Me and Eddie love Kiss. All of Slash's band was just here before you walked in. Brent and Todd and those guys. And Fitz is playing in Gene's solo band. So he's in Gene's ear about all these songs. And we're all Kiss freaks. So yeah. you know what Steve has? What do you want to tell him? I think I already told him. Did? Yeah, the the, the film, yeah. the footage. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We just talked. He just said it earlier before you got here. Yeah. So you had a, a a movie that you it's shot of eight, Kiss. Eight millimeter. My was my grandfather's camera, and I was fooling around with it, and I took it to the concert. Back then, you were you were allowed to bring cameras in. <laughs> What tour was Unlike it? now. Oh, my God. Steve, was it like 74? So yeah, well, it, I, was, I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> like now. I don't know. I was 13, so it was like 1972, 73. You said it was at like the Coventry, right? The, the uh, Calderon Concert Hall in Hempstead. Oh, so you, it was before the first record even came out. Yeah, they, they weren't even wearing a lot of makeup. Oh, <laughs> Sebastian's losing his mind. Steve Vai's personal childhood kiss film. <laughs> I mean, now that's a rock and roll collectible. Steve, I mean, that really is. Yeah. Gotta, I, Isn't that I, funny? I, I'm going to come and I, I'll listen to your music, but I want to see the kiss movie. <laughs> I'll dig it up. Steve, do you know where it is? It's you know, I, Well, it's, it's buried someplace in the attic. I mean, I know I got it. People would flip out. Oh, no, but no, it's just a little clip. I didn't know what I was doing. Is there audio, too, or just video? No, no audio. Oh, just video? Yeah. Still. It doesn't matter. This is way back. I mean, you you know, cameras didn't have audio. Kiss Freaks would lose their minds to see the Steve Vai childhood movie that he (laughs) shot on his grandpa's... Uh, camera. There you go. Speaking <laughs> of John Five, he's got this Instagram account now that yeah. he's doing, where every day he posts a different Kiss collectible up there. John is everywhere. I, I just interviewed Steve Perry. He was just on my show, and and the first thing I say, so who who worked on your record? He goes, well, I got a song with John Five. I'm like, I text John. I go, who don't you write songs with? What you know, are you doing? You know, this this brings up a point that that uh, you know I think you might have read about. Of course, I know Steve has. Is that you know like uh, Guitar Center. Having a rough time, maybe going through bankruptcy, uh-huh. um, and and the, you know the 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 CEO of Guitar Center or whatever says the reason is because there's no new guitar heroes. <laughs> no, but but he says that was the 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 model that that business mm-hmm. was built upon, mm-hmm. and that's where all their success came from. Guys like you, guys mm-hmm. like Eddie Van Halen, guys like John Five. But the reason John Five is on all these albums, nobody has those skills that he has. And he's prolific. Like, when I ask him, hey, you want to do some tunes? He immediately, like, emails me, like, four songs that he is, for me, you know. How many, there's not a new wave of musicians that look at it like you do, Mm. you do, or John Five, or I'm just saying it's like a dying art. And if you guys all want to be rock stars, you should start practicing. Like, <laughs> buy a mirror. I mean, I mean, a guy like John Five is always playing. Well, he can really you know? play. You know, but what that's I mean? through years of yeah. and he plays with a million it. styles and with yeah. people like Katie Lang and people, right. Leonard Skinner, like stuff you'd never expect. And he's like the most normal, like chill guy ever, too. I mean, he's a but great. There's a big, big hole in the market for a, a guy that is that good. Back in the '80s and the '70s, every kid. 
wanted to play the guitar and put in the hours in his bedroom and rehearsed right. and practiced and got a band going. Now it doesn't seem like people people think it's too easy or maybe they don't want to put in the time or you know. Well, they got to find the passion and they got to find that there's no real popular genre that's that they're hearing too that that they're playing. I mean, you know, in the in the metal field, it's still very strong in the underground. But that's very different than like you know the kind of thing that we used to do. That's very true. You know, I read an I, I read an interview recently with Slash, who's playing right down the block in a little bit, and he was somebody asked him about Greta Van Fleet, and he said, "I wish they didn't sound so much like Led Zeppelin, but what I like is the fact that they're a guitar band that is inspiring young people to pick up guitars." Yeah, and I thought that was a really valid point because. That's what you need. And in, in addition to what Baz said, I mean, be able to play great. But to me, the great intangible that a guy like John has or a guy like you have, Steve, or is the ability to write the yeah. songs. Yeah. Like, like you, can, you can practice your ass off, but you can't come up and create great songs. To be able to create out of thin – to me as a fan – it's always been the most incredible thing to me to watch musicians, whether they be lyricists, music, whatever, to out of thin, like, just think out of thin air to create. Yeah. Like, it's fun. Come on. Like, one day, Steven Tyler sat down and out of the blue, Dream On came yeah. into his head. Like, where does that happen? Like, in what universe? That's so foreign to me. You're so into it, dude. You you do it. You just do it differently. I couldn't do it. No, you don't do it musically, but you do yes, it differently. You, do. And you know what? I will say this: something interesting statistic about Guitar Center. What what I discovered was uh, last year, the the larger percentage of guitars were sold to women than men. Oh, really? Are you it was like serious? fifty-one or fifty-two percent. Yeah. And so I guitar heroin will be the new. <laughs> And I think their troubles are just a lot of people are getting guitars in different ways now, easier and cheaper. Well, I think that there's a, a girl like Taylor Swift, you know, who, who who gets her guitar out and plays it on the stage. Yeah, and you know, you know, that's like putting that into their into their mind. Or a shout out to Nita Strauss who plays yeah, an Alice Cooper band. Yeah, or Orianti. They're selling guitars. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are there any? Have you seen any female guitarists on the scene coming up, Steve? That you that have caught your eye as as players? Well, Nita is one of the ones that stands out. Yeah, you know, and of course Orianti. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's been doing it for a while, and uh, well, now that her and Richie broke up, you know, <laughs> I don't know where that's. They were attached at the hip there for a while, so we'll see what Orianti ends up doing. She's very, very good. Yeah, she's very, very talented. So, when does the tour start, Sebastian? Um, the next run, like uh, next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> He's for I'm, I'm trying to, if I can read him, I'm bored of hell out of Well, here. I can tell you, I'm, I'm going to be hosting a show with Sebastian yes, in Tulsa that's right. on October 5th, which is at the IDL Ballroom, oh and you've got a God. whole string of dates. <laughs> you know what stinks is when you can't see. <laughs> it's called getting old, brother. I know, but it's Yeah, like, that can suck. <laughs> gosh, I don't want to go on stage like in reading glasses. <laughs> you want to buy a bigger, buy a bigger teleprompter. That's right, that's it. <laughs> um... If I could read some of these dates, I mean, is that boring? Well, I think because we got people There's listening so all over America that. and Canada, we should just tell them to go to your website. They're probably Again, there, right? Go to my website. Which is it? Just your name, SebastianVai.com. No, go to my website. It's SteveVai.com. S T E V. Steve, yours is actually yours is actually just Vai.com. Is Vai.com. So. Somebody else had SteveVai.com. Are you kidding me? Oh, like ten others. Who's this guy? Again, um, when you go to Steve's site, he's doing this Jamathon, and yep. that is jamathon.org? 
jamathon.org. You should come down, Sebastian. The okay. 28th, well, you're going to be on tour. Yes. 28th, 29th, and 30th of September. What is, where is it? What is it's it? It's a Musicians Institute. 52 hours oh, yeah. of nonstop playing. Wow. Yep. Did you ever te- run? Text to donate. I forgot that before. Text 20222. And then Jam 5, and it's a simple $5 donation for extraordinary families. It just goes right on your phone bill. Very simple. That's cool. What's the text code again? 20222, and then Jam, J-A-M 5, or 25 if you want to make $25. And, and Sebastian, you uh, you mentioned it before. You put out your, your book, uh, what is it, two years ago now? Yes. About two years ago. Uh-huh. 18 and Life on Skid Row. You guys read that book. It's a phenomenal it's a book, book if you had a chance to check it the out. author's quite talented. <laughs> <laughs> What's... Um, now that the book's been out a little bit, like what? What is your? Are you happy you wrote it? Is there things in there you wish you would have put, or you didn't put, or uh, everybody no, has I, that revisionist moment at some point? Well, you, writers. It, it's kind of weird because uh, as that was being done, there was talk about our old band getting back together, right? Mm-hmm. And Rick Sales, my manager, says, "Take everything bad that you said about those guys out of the book right now." <laughs> I go. Well, are you sure? He goes, yes. I go, okay. <laughs> so, and I was like hanging out with Scotty Hill. He's at my house and all this. And, and I go, I'm going to take out, you know, some stuff. And he goes, yeah. He goes, make sure you, he goes, just do it, do it. Just take it. So I took like, everything bad out. And then nothing happened. <laughs> so what you're saying so maybe is maybe my next book. So everybody's book, now maybe, waiting for volume two. That's what I'm saying. Maybe the next will, will be everything that I took out of the first one. Was there a lot? Uh, well... Uh, I, I don't know how to answer. This. <laughs> enough that he had to take something out. You know, Neil Peart. Is there enough yeah. for a whole other book? No, Neil Peart. <laughs> Neil Peart said something really, really smart. Well, that's because he's Neil Peart, and it's a day ending, and why? But uh, he said that in a book, you you don't put people down in a book, okay? Because books are forever. Books are going to be here. Book is not the internet. The internet is just like a big nothing, really. Like it's you read something, it's gone the next day. But a book is forever. So you don't you don't want to be putting people down in your book. And I really consciously did that. I remember I love Sammy Hager, right? Yeah, I so do I. Yeah. I don't know if you read his book. I did. <laughs> I couldn't believe. What he put in his book about Eddie Van Halen with, like, his dirty towels from the shower, like, in the corner of the room. And I'm like, <laughs> I could have every page. And then, Did you and read then, Noel but Monk's then, book? But then even Sammy said. He know, held back. He, no, he said that his brother said, dude, you went off on Eddie in your book, like, pretty hard. And then he said, you know, looking back, he did because it was, a, like, a lot of personal, right. you know, personal hygiene stuff and, like. It's like, you know, Eddie farted, and we don't need to. There's a little TMI for me. But anyways, but Sammy, you know. But it smelled great. <laughs> it smelled like eruption sounded. It was a Eddie erupted. <laughs> Eddie erupted. That's the name of the chapter. I got, no. two, I got two minutes left. Do you still hold out hope that one day we will see the Skid Row reunion? It's not my my. I know fault. it's not, but do you personally ho- still hold out hope that we'll see it? I have too too much uh, going on myself to think about that all the time. I do know one thing: January of 2019 is the 30th anniversary of the first Skid Row record coming out. Wow, 30 years! And you only 
you only yeah you only get one thirty year anniversary. So I don't know what those guys are thinking. I've texted them, got no response. But I will be commemorating it in some way. If those guys want to get into it, you know, great. But if they're going to ignore it, I'm not going to ignore it. So will you go out and play the record if they don't want to do it on your own? I've been offered to do that. Yes, I have been. So, um, you know. Well, it's not that. <laughs> you know, it's that's not... how the business works, you know. All right. Well, listen, everybody. Um, we're out of time here. But everybody, uh, go see Sebastian on tour. SebastianBach.com for all the dates. You can also go see Sebastian Bach at the bar in about three minutes. <laughs> Well, hope you guys enjoyed that. I'll tell you what, doing those rainbow broadcasts is an absolute blast. Next one coming up in a couple of weeks. And keep an eye on my social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'll let you know exactly when it's going to be. Totally free to get into if you're in Southern California. Come down and join us. We do it from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. It's broadcast live on Sirius XM. You never know who's going to swing by. Another one coming up very, very, very soon. Thanks to Steve Vai. Thanks to Sebastian Bach. Thanks to all the guests that dropped by. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for producing the podcast and working on that audio as always. I'll see you guys next week for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast here on PodcastOne.com and, of course, iTunes. producer and my best friend alexis linkletter and we are so excited that we are finally launching our true crime podcast called the first degree right here on podcast one and each week we are going to bring you the craziest true crime stories and talk to the people who are one degree away from each of these crazy events and we've dragged crime journalist billy jensen along for the ride and he can't get rid of us Join us on The First Degree every Wednesday on PodcastOne.com and the PC One app. Also remember to rate and review. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 